Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Ramble by Energy Sport, the finest student-run fantasy football podcast in the country. My name is Jack Donnelly and we are here to bring you more insightful FPL tips for this weekend's batch of fixtures. As always, our league is still joinable on the official Premier League website and we're aiming for 50 members by the end of the season, so be sure to join with the code DPPRDJ. Also, be sure to follow us over on Twitter at Fantasy Ramble to see all of our host predictions for the full set of Premier League fixtures this weekend. I'm not on my own this week as usual, so we, today we are joined by Struan Garvey. How are you? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Good, it's Friday. Be here. Friday. As it always is on the Ramble. Uh, as it always is. Well, it, it may not be for much longer because we're going to have to juggle some quick and painful Premier League uh, fixture congestion in the next month or so. That's a future Struan problem. Fair, fair enough. Uh, he's also back from next week. We had to coerce him to come back on as he never gave confirmation yesterday, but decided after our lecture that he would just jump on instead. Taylor Murray. How you doing? Uh, I'm good to be on. I uh, a small question about how I'm doing, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just need your fail today, Taylor Murray. Aye, aye. Oh, no, I, I can take this myself, I think. So yeah, t- I'm Taylor, are you doing well? I'm doing pretty well. Okay, I'm not. No, this is going down a shambles. Move on, I'm here. Hello. All right, t- well, clearly Taylor's here. And finally, we are also joined by Energy Sports' very own Heart of Midlothian correspondent, Jamie McIntosh. Good to have you, mate. Good to be on. Thank you very much. How are you doing this afternoon, Mr Donnelly? I'm doing very well. Very, uh, pleased with the uh, news that uh, one of our final assessments for this semester has been extended by a week. So that's uh, got a smile on my face on a Friday afternoon, as I'd imagine it is the same for the three of you. Yes, thank you, Mr O'Neill. Yes, thank you very much, Doctor. If you're listening, big football fan. Yes, if you're one of the people that are actually angry because you can't now submit it early, like you need to have a look at yourself. Who's that then? Where does that come from? No, just because I know there's some people well, I'm not going to name that have, let's say, completed it, or they're near and completed it. That I know that are in our class, and Jay I'm not Carl having that. Completed it. <laughs> I better say something so it doesn't look like I'm staying silent as one of those. I have, I have not even started it. I've not started it. I, I didn't even consider my question until today, and I think I think I might have, have a wee watch of a documentary and go for that angle. But that's a conversation for off the podcast. It's a podcast about football, and we're going to start by jumping into the first of our premium picks for this weekend. Our premium picks segment takes a look at the three biggest games of the weekend and goes into the finer details of the fixtures and who we expect to perform well in these games and in turn perform well for your fantasy teams. The first game we're going to discuss is, unfortunately, there's a notification from me, apologies, uh, unfortunately it's Chelsea and it's a big game for Chelsea. It's Chelsea against Spurs, a massive derby, massive London derby, half four kickoff on Sunday at Stamford Bridge. It was a pair of 2-0 wins for both clubs uh, in their last results, Chelsea away to Newcastle. A bit of a bogey ground for them, and Spurs putting in one of the best defensive performances of the season at home to City. Jamie, our team was our team is involved in this one, and arguably coming into this one, Chelsea are one of the two, are one of the top, uh, most informed teams in the league. The other being Spurs, and both are potentially kind of talking about mounting a title challenge. So, how how do we see it going? Because as kind of history has shown, as Lampard tends to have a fairly good record against Mourinho not having lost to him once in 90 minutes in any fixture they've come across each other. Um, yeah, look, I mean, uh, obviously Spurs weren't able to uh, defeat us in the in the league, in the Carabao Cup, I think it was, earlier in the season. Um, as for games at Stamford Bridge, Chelsea have got a pretty good record, actually. 
Tottenham won three one, I think, in the in two thousand eighteen. Um, I think Delhi Ali scored a couple that day, and uh, I think Christian Eriksen was was the other person who got on the score sheet that day. So both obviously not really Ericsson's obviously not there and Delhi Alley isn't really getting much of a look in that's Spurs' only win at Stamford Bridge though for since 1990 apparently according to flash scores Ooh. if I'm looking I'm just looking all the way back scrolling all the way through Spurs have won once at Stamford Bridge and that was 2018 and then uh, the last one was 1990 apparently a whole 30 years ago wow so has to be suggesting that Chelsea should have has to be has to be a home win yeah <laughs> absolute banker of the weekend no it should be a very good game I'm very much looking forward to it obviously you highlighted how Chelsea were able to defeat Newcastle um, away from home a bogey ground for us and I think it highlights that this Chelsea team is perhaps just a little bit different from the teams you've seen at, uh, at Stamford Bridge over the last kind of few seasons and they, they, they looked good as well. I thought, you know, I thought Newcastle were absolutely dreadful, but I thought Chelsea looked all right, you know. And um, I think there's there's plenty of positives, obviously, and, and plenty of positivity in general um, around the club at the moment. So, you know, this is a big game, and these are the games that you're judged on. Um, I'm sure if Tottenham do rock up at, at, at the bridge and uh, and win 3-0, then, then Lampard will be um, scrutinised again by, by fans and the media. Well, maybe not the media because that's supposedly a myth, isn't it? That Lampard gets a gets an easy ride of it from the from the media, but certainly be scrutinised by supporters again if uh, if Tottenham go to the bridge and get a win. But uh, I think Chelsea win two one. There's my prediction. As for a, a goal scorer, um, I mean Werner could have had a hat trick at Newcastle. Um, I mean he didn't. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know I don't know where to pick him to score again. He's still in my team, but. Uh, whether he'll score or not is another matter. So I'll say 2-1 and I'll say Timo Werner to, to either come up with a goal or come up with an assist. That is the thing because I think Liam Toomey did a more kind of in-depth article into the statistics behind Werner this season and he's not being as wasteful as people are thinking. I think for yeah. he, he's still got really good attacking numbers and that's not to say that there couldn't be improvement. Obviously there could. I mean, there was a couple of chances against Newcastle that he absolutely should have buried. The one that he tried to square across to Tam Abraham I remember wanting to tear my hair out when I saw that. Just, yeah, yeah. You paid 40, 45, 50 million for him. You just want him to put that through the laces and try and get a shot and goal from the tight angle and try and squeeze it past Darlow. And then again is painful mess against uh, Lille. No, not Lille, sorry, uh, Ren in the uh, midweek Champions League fixture after uh, Hudson O'Doyle Cross met him at, in the middle of the box and he skied it over. There's definitely room for improvement, but I do think he has still been quite effective in attacking phases this season. Uh, Struan, let's talk about Spurs, because as I alluded to, it was an absolutely fantastic performance he put in against Manchester City last week. Mourinho just kind of hunkered down, made his team properly set in, and just got them on the counter. Harry Kane put in one of the individual performances of the season. How, how do we see them coming into this one? I mean, it's a team... That Mourinho has not had luck against in the league for a number of a number of seasons, and it, it, it's, it, Lampard has tended to switch up his tactics when going against Mourinho. So how do we how do we see Spurs approach? Do you think they'll try anything different in this one? I think it could be a very defensive performance again from from Spurs in this one, looking to looking to catch on the counter attack. I think we've seen in Chelsea's most recent games they have dominated the ball for the majority of time, and I, th- I think Tottenham on the counter attack were looking very very good against Man City, and I think. They've got the numbers to do that, and I think they'll probably play a similar way. And I think Alvin Vyrold missing in this game as well. 
So yeah. I think that'll be a big loss at the back for them. So I think they will probably play like, more on the side of caution. I think Matt Doherty is also out. So yeah, I would I be surprised Doherty's to see back, him there. Actually, oh, yeah, back. I think I think he might be back. Yeah, I, I could. I think that'll still probably be quite a quite a careful approach as well. Being being the away side as well in this game, you know, you always kind of think, you know, beat them at home, take a draw away. So I would be surprised if that is Mourinho's thinking at the moment. I can, I can definitely get behind it. I mean. Part of me wants to think that this is going to be like a proper clash. It's going to be a massive game, but another part of me thinks it just could be a dull, Mourinho-controlled, low scorer, no real nice football being played. That just part of me wants to say it's going to be that. But I honestly don't know which way to lean on this one. Uh, T- Taylor, what what do you reckon about this game? Because I mean, Spurs have two of the most informed players in the league, and Harry Kane and Kingman Son. Um, are, are they gonna Are they gonna really provide Edward Mendy with the first real trouble and that he's really had to face in the Premier League? Because he's he's kept a lot of clean sheets, but he's not faced a lot of prolific attackers. I would definitely say this is gonna be his uh, first test, especially when you've got uh, two unformed players like Kane and Son who are on the same wavelength like for the full ninety minutes, and they've just been sensational this season. Um, Mendy's probably this is where you could see. His worth for the team, he's de- he's already proved he's better than Kepa, and I'm not saying that this game's going to displace him, but this could be really see exactly the makings of, of how good a goalkeeper he is, and uh, just on the match as a whole, uh, every time I see this fixture coming up, Chelsea versus Spurs, it just always reminds me back to I think it was the League Cup semi final where it was Matic thunderclap that left foot shot. Uh, FA Cup semi final. Yeah, FA Cup yeah. semi final, and it was just um, it was just that. Everything went insane. You just seen like the manager's reaction. I can't think who was it at the time for manager. Was it? If he co- uh, think it was Conte. Yeah, co- yeah, no, I think it was Conte. It was, it was Conte because I went to the final that year and we lost. <laughs> Conte like disbelief. <laughs> then you've just got the iconic Kurt Zuma, who's just he his hands are on his head, and then Matt. Oh, it's just that for some reason when I look at this, just always comes to my head, and I, I don't know why I expect like a game like that caliber to always play out, but. Yeah, that's. I'm hoping for the uh, repeats of that uh, semi final, but it's gonna be. I think this could be probably as I think Jamie alluded to, and so did Struan. It could be a side of caution. This uh, Mourinho put in a very defensive performance against Man City. Uh, we're probably gonna see more of that. It's gonna be back to the wall counter attack. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is a very low scoring affair. So are you willing to put a score prediction on the line just now then? Uh, I'm, I was actually using that to try to delay myself to try to think but <laughs> I, 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 I'm really struggling I could actually see this being a 1-8 draw yeah I'm going to go with a one on. Jamie's given us a 2-1 with Timo Werner to get a goal as he did scoring his first ever Chelsea goal against Spurs in that League Cup encounter Struan how do, how do we see it panning out? So I, th- I think they're very even teams but I've gone for a 3-1 Chelsea on one reason and that <laughs> And not, so not, the reason why I've gone for that, so I'll, I'll go for big score lines this season. But the reason why I've gone for that is Chelsea have two days extra rest this week than Tottenham yeah, have. Yeah. And given that at the moment teams are playing two and, and occasionally three games a week, I think that'll be absolutely massive. And I think that that probably could be one of the deciding factors. I think Chelsea will just have more energy for this one. And I've gone for three one. And it's and it, we're talking about Mendy a second ago. One of one of the things I I think I saw a few days ago, which is quite interesting, is he's got the most clean sheets in the league this season, which I think four, but he's only made seven saves so far, which I think just shows how much Chelsea are controlling and dominating games. 
You know, like mm-hmm. when you talk about Kepa, he's probably at those seven shots faced that this season you could probably have imagined about at least three or four of them actually going in. Yeah, hundred percent. So it's it's an should. absolute upgrade. I, I do completely agree. It's an absolute upgrade. I'm never I'm never going to argue against the fact that Mendy is better than Kepa. Like that that is just a fact at this point. There's nothing to disprove that. <sighs> Part my my head says that Spurs will just shit out a win. But my heart my heart wants a big performance from Chelsea. My heart sees a big performance from Chelsea. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go two one Chelsea. I'm gonna go two one Chelsea. Uh reason being I think Chelsea's midfield is a lot more combative than what Manchester City's was. And I think in able I think any sort of attacks forward Chelsea's midfield are probably gonna be more suited to breaking up the fleet and hounding the Spurs uh attacks as they come towards Chelsea Batline they'll be able to get on and pressure them a lot more I think Chelsea will be more lethal from a set piece as well we kind of saw Man City had a lot of them and they didn't really come to anything yeah and that, that's one thing that Chelsea have massively improved on at both ends of the pitch this season um, as their set pieces I mean they were the worst in the league for conceding set pieces last or conceding from set pieces rather last season and now they're at, really at the other end of the scale 2-1 Chelsea win. I, I, I don't know why, but I see a massive performance from Mason Mount in this game. I think he played very well against uh, Ren midweek. The last time, obviously, he'll be kind of looking to put some demons to bed in this in this fixture after he missed the penalty in the shootout against Spurs mm. in the League Cup. And his last league performance against Spurs, he put in, he was the running the entire game, not even the midfield. Uh in the in this fixture last year in February or March, I want to say it was before lockdown anyway. So I think a big performance from Mason Mount in this one, uh, in his more naturally suited kind of industrial midfielder role, I, w- I would say, rather than like just running things in the middle of the park, and a two-one Chelsea win for me. And that gets a lot of Twitter critics, doesn't he, Mason Mount? He gets a lot of critics, and I'm not going to say that he doesn't deserve them a lot of the time. Because there there are bits to his game that are just needing to be improved on, but he's twenty one years old and he's got an entire career ahead of him. So I just find it funny Lampard had to actually say he wasn't his son in a press conference. Which is <laughs> mental. This, this is this is where uh, social media just doesn't sit well with me with things like that. But anyway, that's a conversation for another day. Let's move on to the second of our premium picks for today's episode. We're taking a trip to Goodison Park on Saturday at half five, the dinner time kickoff as Everton host Leeds. Uh, last time out, Everton looked a much improved team with the return of Richarlison and a 3 2 win against Fulham, whereas Leeds will have been kicking themselves at the fact they weren't able to capitalise on a 10 man Ars- um, Arsenal team with only 10 men in the pitch after Nicholas Pepe was sent off and they could only draw 0 0. For me, this is two early high flyers in this season's uh, campaign who have really been brought down back down to earth in the last few game weeks. Uh, Taylor, I mean, just when Everton get their be- all their best players back for the last game, it's announced yesterday that Luca Dini suffered an injury in training and is now going to need surgery, which means he'll probably be out for a prolonged period of time. That just, just no luck whatsoever for Everton, clearly. Yeah, it's probably Everton going in the form that they had. It's... They can't be losing key players like that, and it's going to be a massive blow. Especially, we've just seen, especially last weekend, how influential he was when he got two assists. And just his balls in from set pieces from the left as well are incredible. So, 
yeah, Everton will definitely feel this, uh, feel that one. But see, I don't know. Will Godfrey come and play that side, and then they basically put Coleman back out in the right? I don't know. It's got to be one of the ones where Ancelotti is going to have to make a decision whether he shoehorns a left uh, a right back at left back or pull somebody from left field in. To hopefully, you know, you find a a gem within the rough. But Everton, I think, have been rather impressive this season. Although they did go through a, a very patchy spell where they looked like they'd fell away. I still think the fact that they look on course to finish top six. And that would be a very, very, very good season for them if they did. Uh, when you come up against a team like Leeds, though, who are all attack, and they've looked like they could basically score a bar load, or score none, by the way. They're one of the teams. Uh, it's going to be a really, probably tough game, I would say, even at home at uh, Goodison Park. So it's, it's an interesting one. I'd actually say this is one you probably would want to keep your eye on. I think I, I called it as my uh, game of the week in yesterday's extra time podcast that Sean and Cameron put out um, yeah no I, I, it just it just something about this game just screams that there could be goals in it even though there's not been a lot for Lees recently uh, Jamie a lot of that's come down to the fact that we're seeing some would call the true colours of Patrick Bamford he's been a lot more wasteful in his last couple of games than in his early uh, stretch of goal scoring form this season what what what, what do you think what do you think the pro- is that really the main problem behind uh Leeds lack of attacking output is the fact that Bamford's just not hitting the heights anymore. Yeah, I think uh, I'm not sure you could say they aren't creating opportunities. I think the the Arsenal game would probably be a prime example. Um, I, I don't think it was necessarily just Bamford in in that game. Um, I think the uh, what was the boy that started the winger? Him, um, cheers. Uh, I thought he had a couple of good chances. I think he hit the post with one of them. Bamford also hit the post. That's quite unlucky, I suppose you could probably say. But you know, the bottom line is how Leeds didn't didn't manage to score and didn't manage to win that game is is uh, pretty impressive because um, they certainly were the better team. Obviously, Arsenal had ten men, but I think to put it simply, I wouldn't say that Leeds is midfield or anything's letting them down. They're just simply not putting the ball in the back of the net like they were at the start of the season. Defensively, um, you know, they've shipped eight goals in the last three games. Um, obviously. The clean sheet against Arsenal, but in, they were probably a bit lucky in the end as well because Arsenal did have a couple of good chances on the break towards the end. Bukayo Saka looked good, um, I thought, going forward towards the end. And uh, and Aubameyang, obviously, you know what you're going to get with Aubameyang. But um, yeah, I think if, if Arsenal had 11 men on towards the end of that game, they, they might have actually nicked it. But I don't know, Leeds definitely had better, the better chances. But defensively, they've not been, not been solid enough for me and the goals have dried up as well. So... Yeah, that's probably the the um, reason to their downfall. Struan, you 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 you've decided to coin a phrase for um, for Patrick Bamford. You you've been fighting on about the fact that he's just the next Timu Puke. Is, yep. Are you willing to stand by, or do you think if he scores in this one, your mind will be changed? You could score in this one, and I still call him the the new Timu Puke. To be honest, like he's. He did have a very good start to the season. He was finishing loads of different chances, but then it just kind of was like, yeah, okay, maybe maybe he is a, a championship striker. And I think as well, especially with the the twenty seven million pound signing of Rodrigo, as as loyal as Bielsa is to his players and to Bamford, I, ca- I can't see him keeping Rodrigo on the bench, especially after spending that kind of money on him. I think 
think Bamford will pop up with the odd goal here and there, but I think as the season goes on, it's probably going to swing towards Rodrigo. But I, I could be completely wrong. I mean, he could prove me all wrong all he wants, but at the moment, I, the first I, time. I do see. Yeah, definitely yep. be the first time. I really don't make good predictions about strikers, I have to be honest either, but I think you, at the moment... It was you that was battering on about Calvert-Lewin this time last year, wasn't it? Yep. And I told you he'd be quality, didn't I? No, you never. No, he never. He did not. Don't tell lies. Is is Patrick Bamford just not a Premier League quality striker? Agreed. I think <laughs> given <laughs> given he, given he's he's twenty seven now. I thought he was like a lot younger. Bamford's I think it's one of them. Yeah. I think it's. I was maybe twenty six. Um, I think it's one of them where this this is his big chance. You know, he was, he's been in the Premier League before, and it's he wasn't really scoring that often in the Championship. Because one of the things about that Leeds team is goals literally come from everywhere and it's almost like everybody plays their part. And I think that's what Bielsa likes in a player, someone who, who will give 110% on the pitch, even if they don't you know, score a cracking goal or get an assist as long as they and they play a big part in the team. But as, as we said, he, he didn't really do too much in the Championship itself. And the Premier League obviously is a massive step up. So I think this season will be very big for him. And there was, there was talk as well of him getting an England cap and stuff like that. But I thought that was very... Very early on, especially given the talent England have up front, you know, namely Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Also, by oh sorry, Jack, I was just going to say also this uh, this game by this weekend could see if Leeds don't win and results go the other way that they could be just above the relegation zone, which is probably to some other people's shocks. But no, I did predict the fact that they wouldn't do that well this season. But and I'm just putting that out there just in case it does. Now you happen. now you just saying I I said they'd be bad. Is that yeah, no, no. Back if they, if I'm just lose. coming on back, uh, definitely. But uh, I highly doubt it because you know the bottom three size bowling, no, no, the three size bowling are playing like hard opposition. So in fact, I like Newcastle playing Crystal Palace, but they could Newcastle just be above the relegation zone. By the way, which is probably where you start looking at it and be quite concerned. But I don't see them going down. By the way, but I, I don't see them finishing. Top, uh, like top half in the mid table, so I'd, I generally see this could be a big pivot weekend for them. They've got to win this, I'd say. I think Leeds tricked us all into thinking that they were going to be really, really good this season, but then they kind of because they played really attractive football and they did so well against Liverpool in the opening weekend. But I think it's they're kind of getting a little bit exposed in defence. That Robin Koch signing, he he doesn't fill me with any kind of confidence. Brutal. He's not the best. I think. Defensively, they have looked a bit vulnerable, as we saw even against Arsenal. You know, right at the end, Bukayo Saka probably should have scored that chance and won yeah. Arsenal the game. Given, you know, they dominated the entire thing, and then one counter attack up the other pitch. Really good work from Beller, and needs credit, but uh, they could easily have thrown that one away. And I think it's, I think it is going to be one of those seasons where they will look very, very good at times, but they'll still just sort of crumble away to teams who do sit back and catch them on the counter attack, and. Yeah, I, th- I think they miss the fans as well. You know, people always talk about you know lead support being very good. I, th- I think they are probably one of these teams who will really miss the fans as the season goes on and the results get tough. I think just so before we move on, on, just before we move on, like I, I think we spoke about Bielsa kind of before the season, and you know, I think we all kind of alluded to the Bielsa style. We we did kind of contemplate whether we thought it would work in the Premier League or not. We said that it would work against some teams, and then against other teams, they may come unstuck. And I, I think. Um, it just seems too easy for me when it's not working going forward. And it's like one, you know, we saw that Bellerin just able to skip past a couple of players, mm-hmm. all right, a good run, but, you know, just so so open. And then one pass and Saka's in. You know, it just seems so easy for teams to 
teams to kind of cut them open. Um, and that's fine if you're scoring loads of goals, which they were at one point, but they're not anymore. So maybe Bielsa needs to maybe start thinking about a plan B. I don't know. But I think uh, they can't keep going on conceding all these goals and not scoring because then they will go down. I think that maybe seems quite like almost. Oh, sorry, so I was going to say, it just feels a bit like freestyle football. Like you're the left back, you stay in that channel, you stay there. Nah, I would kind of drift out to right wing, sort of. It's like nobody has that specific position that they stay in all game. They kind of move around a lot and change formation throughout the game. And I think as, as good as that can be, I think in the Premier League, when you see some very high energy games, it, it can just almost mix mix teams up almost. And if you do sit back, you can catch that on the counter attack and sort of just it'll play into the opposition's hands. Yeah, no, well, well I suppose maybe, maybe we mentioned Everton about, I feel like we've been very Leeds heavy and uh, just talked about Everton. So, I mean, are we, are we expecting that Luka Dean's going to kind of stunt their progress again as they kind of work back to full strength against Fulham last week? Do you think there's a chance that Luka Dean's absence in this game could provide Everton with real problems or do you, do you think that they'll, they're going to have enough for Leeds regardless with their better attacking talent? I think I think it'll be massive losing because he has probably been one of, if not the best left backs in the league this season. You know, he's one of the most, more underrated players I think in the Everton side, and it's maybe one of them that in the long term it'll hurt them more just because, you know, there's been injuries to Seamus Coleman as well at right back, which I think without Hamas Rodriguez we spoke a lot about that being creativity. You take Lucadinho out as well, that's massive creativity lost in that team. Yeah, look, I mean, he got two assists against Fulham at the weekend there. You know, he is a huge um, a huge threat for them going forward. And to be honest with you, he's relatively solid defensively as well. So he is going to be a big miss both going forward and uh, and defensively as well. I don't even know what the alternative is. There's a player I, called Hulu, at... who I think right. will fill in. Because he wasn't even on the bench against Fulham. <laughs> I was just about to say, what about Leighton Baines? But I think he retired last season. He did retire, right? I think he did, yeah. <laughs> Here, this so is I, potential I, to put them in a sticky situation where if Coleman injured and Dini out, like, this could be really like one of the ones where this could undo their season, even though I was just saying that it could be a one where they have to find a diamond behind their off. But it's... Does he consider going free at the back and going with... Um, well, I suppose that's what they've been doing anyway, isn't it? But does he just need to play Bernard on the left and, and ask him to track back or... You know, I don't know. I feel like he's got he's got a decision to make. You know, I feel like they've got plenty of centre backs. They've got Ben Godfrey, Yeri Mina, Michael Keane, and Mason Holgate as well. Mason Holgate was obviously on the bench against Fulham, and the, the other three started. But are they good though? <laughs> well, you know, what's the alternative? This is the problem. You know, I'm looking at the yeah. squad and thinking, well, what's he going to do? Because you know, we spoke about Coleman being out on the right. They've played uh, according to flash scores anyway. I don't know how reliable their formations always are. Not not very, I think, is the answer. But you know, they had those three centre backs of Keane, Mina. I think they've been playing Ben Godfrey as a kind of right back, haven't they? Yeah, he's been Some, more than sometimes that, anyway. It shows but, how um, small a, a top group of players ever have, though, isn't it? That one injury, and we're talking yeah. about like they might have to swap formations. You know, they might have to play a player out of position. It's just sort of like you, you'd hope that with one injury, you could you could easily fix it. But I think it just shows, and it does. It does you know, Dinia is a very important player, but I think with that Everton team we have seen this season, if there is a couple of injuries like Richarlison missing as well. You know, where Wobie comes in or Bernard comes in, and it's just not the same team. Yeah, I can see John so Joe a real Kenny lack being of that one. John Joe Kenny, do you reckon? Yeah, I can see him going probably. You see him and about the squad. He's only made one appearance this season, but actually, he, he, I think he's been in the squad, he's just not came in. But I could probably see him being drafted in to play there because I think he is a right back, but he can play left back. 
I'm not entirely sure how feasible that is, but I could yeah. definitely see like uh, like Jamie suggested Bernard being on that left and being asked to track back. And Kunku is uh, is a left back actually. You're right. And Kunku is a left back. He played against Newcastle actually. I'm just looking through their squad just now. Played against Newcastle. Um, played the first hour, and then was uh, played the first seventy minutes. Sorry, and then was replaced by Shank Tosin, as they clearly were losing at that point. I think so. They they must have tried to change formation and go all out attack. So fair enough. He's played recently, so I'm sure they'll uh, they'll just slot in him at left back. But look, if Dini's going to be out for some time, if he's requiring surgery, then you know, and Kunku's probably going to need to step up because he's only played the ones, which obviously if you're going to get in ahead of Dinho, you need to be very good. But um, the fact he hasn't even kind of played, I think he played the League Cup games against West Ham and uh, and Fleetwood. So, you know, fair enough. Hopefully he'll just slot in there for them. But I think as far as creativity is concerned, we've already spoken about how crucial Dinho is going forward. Um, that's going to be a big miss definitely in the long term. So how do how do we see it going then in terms of score predictions, Jamie? What what what's this one going to end up as? I have no idea, honestly. Um, my money would probably be firmly in my pocket. I think there'll probably be goals. Um, I would expect it to be goals. I think Bamford probably will score this weekend. Um, Just everyone listened. Uh, I've taken him out, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've taken him out for Calvert Lewin actually. Spoiler alert. Um, two two two, two two. Let's go with. Yeah, I, yeah. I can see that. Uh, Stuart, how about yourself? Yeah, I've gone for a one-all. The so, Mr. McIntosh special. So have I. Yeah, I know. I've, I've gone With for Richarlison to be the man of the match. I've, I've gone uh, Ilan Nesley to be the man of the match. Because I feel like Everton are just going to batter that Leeds goal. And I feel like mm. they need to show that they can be quite defensively resolute at some point in this season. And I think the sooner they do it, the better. And I thought that Nesley played a really good game. Especially after saving that. Saka chance late later on in the second half. I thought that was a really good. He made himself quite quick and was able to get across to it. So, yeah. Uh, Taylor, what about you? How do you see it going? Uh, I put in three one to Everton, and I can see Rodriguez just being influential as usual. You're still on the bus. Oh, yeah, I'm still. Even if he actually doesn't do anything in the game, like assisted a goal, he's just magnificent to watch, and he's actually so important to that Everton midfield. Like. I I love watching him when I can. It's it's a tremendous player, by the way. You really do love him, don't you? No, he is a tremendous player. He's just a Rolls Royce player. I love him. Rolls <laughs> Royce player. Well, very good. There, th- three draws and a win for Everton in that one, so we can kind of see where we are leaning in terms of that fixture. Uh, the last of this week's uh, premium picks is going to be. Sunday's evening clash at the Emirates as Arsenal host Wolves. It was a draw for both teams in the last game. Arsenal drawing down now with Leeds, as we just said, while Wolves drew one all with Southampton. For me, this is, again, it's two teams that are coming in at a very similar place in terms of where they can finish in the league. I think the Europa League is their ceiling this season, especially the way we've seen other teams perform. I think Spurs and Chelsea are really making the top four race quite tight in terms of the two of them, City and Liverpool. So I think Arsenal, Wolves, United, a lot of them, they'll kind of be battling for Europa League as far as I can see anyway. Uh, but again... Man City in 13th? It's, it's City at the end of the day. <laughs> it's City at the end of the day. Guardiola will spend whatever it takes to get him back up to top four. Uh, for, for me in this one, it's low scoring, low conceding, so... Yeah. I, d- I don't know the way the way it kind of goes for me. It's gonna be it's either gonna be a nil nil or a three all. Stuart, what do we make of it? 
I'll, I'll be honest. I I don't enjoy I don't enjoy watching Wolves play football. No. And the reason for it is like, I almost just get the feeling that they play they 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 set up to play for a draw and, and kind of nick one here. Though they're absolutely they're fantastic. Like the the system is good. I'm not I'm not meaning to knock the system, but I think as you say, it's not it's not the best football on the eye. You know, I think watching a game for ninety minutes, I do I do think it becomes a little bit boring. However, I think Arsenal might even be worse this season. It looks like Mikel Arteta is trying to shore up the back. You know, we saw last season the centre backs are quite often criticised, and I think just defensively they're a bit all over the place. And it seems to, in order for him to shore up at the back, he's basically completely sacrificed anything going forward. You know, the lack of creativity in that side is just so apparent at the moment. And it's weird. And the way, that, it really is just weird the way they've set up. It just seems kind of the funds, all the fun that kind of Wolves were putting across last season it just seems to have been sucked out of the club this season and I honestly don't know for the reason why because I mean were Matt, was Matt Doherty that crucial to that team that it's now just no longer interesting to watch I think I think there's probably three big misses I think Jota is probably a big loss up front because I think yeah, the, the role he played was quite like he would sacrifice himself and you know he'd, he'd quite often let him and his play off him and Adama Shore in the other wing and I don't, I don't think Podence or Neto have really filled filled the gap he's left. I think, I think losing Johnny to injury at left back as well, right at the start of the season. That Ain't uh, Nuri looks quite good as well, and Nelson Semedo also looks good on the right. But I think, I think there's quite a few changes in that Wolves team who, as we saw, basically played the same eleven the entire season. You know, with maybe like three or four changes throughout. Right, so I think right. they have three big changes straight away. And quite often at the back as well, they've been missing one of the centre backs. We've seen uh, Kilman coming in and dot um, then Donker pushing into midfield or mm-hmm. Roman size coming in as well. So I think for a team who rarely ever change about, I think they've had probably one too many changes and I think it has disrupted them. They are doing well this season though. They are, they are getting the results that you know they're wanting to get. The four wins so far, ninth place. I don't think they could really complain with that at all. Uh, Jamie, looking at Arsenal, they last week moved Aubameyang back to the central position. Uh, but do we see it staying that way for this game? Because obviously Nico, you know, Nico Pepe's suspension means he's not available and limits the attacking options already. So are, are we expecting to see Aubameyang push back out wide, someone else on the right wing, maybe Reese Nelson or Saka or something like that, and a Lacazette through the middle? Or do you think Arteta's going to stick with Aubameyang to the middle and deploy a couple of the youngsters on the wing? Nah, I think Aubameyang probably will get chucked out wide again. Um much to my disgust. <laughs> I, I, I hate, yeah, you're, you, you spoke earlier about Arteta and, and the kind of lack of creativity in this Arsenal team. They're, they're awful to watch, Arsenal. I, mm-hmm. I, I hate watching Arsenal right now. Um, I've got it down as a nil-nil. Both teams have played nine games, they've scored nine goals and they've conceded ten each. So, literally you know, averaging nice. about, literally averaging a goal a game and conceding a goal a game. So the natural scoreline points to one all, but, you know, that's my my natural prediction, but I'm going to just go against it and go nil-nil because I just think it'll be absolutely brutal. Taylor, what do we reckon? Uh, I'm with Jamie. I think it's going to be a brutal game and I, I, I don't know. It's this one I'd avoid with all costs and probably, I don't know. I just This is not going to be a good entertaining game of football so probably I was saying this now I will actually be a classic game yeah, like a, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we are it's going to be a box better. office uh, fixture but uh, yeah. nah I can it's Arsenal are rigid now in defence I say rigid but they're just obviously not defence article uh, you've got Wilson just 
are the same. They're just not enjoyable to watch, as Struan pointed out. But I went with a 1 0 win for Arsenal, just because I feel like they've got the better, they've got higher quality players to probably just get them just over the line. But I wouldn't be surprised if this finished 0 0. Struan, what did we make of it? I've also gone for a 1 0 Arsenal victory with Bakayo Saka to score after missing the last one in the league game. Nice. But what I think is, is really interesting is the fact that I didn't say Mesut Ozil. As the, as the man of the match, <laughs> I completely forgot you said that a couple of weeks ago. So, so do you know like, what? Right, I'm sorry. He would make that team better. They are screaming yeah, no, out. For, I, I, so I think Jamie. I think it was you that said in our in our group chat that Christian Eriksen is likely to leave Inter Milan in January, and and I said mm. he should go to Arsenal because they are screaming out for somebody to create from midfield, and he'd be available. In is that not what Danny? Is that not what Danny Ceballos is supposed to be doing though? I don't so know what supposed he's supposed to be supposed that to creative. Be. <laughs> what he does, yeah. to be honest. I, I really don't know why Ozil is actually a mid threat squad. Um, is it his attitude? Is it just his work rate? I think everyone just points to the fact is they may be true, but they need creativity, and he is. His assist is insane, by the way. His assist and like his key passes and his chances created are still like one of the best in the Premier League since he's joined. But yet he's just not in that squad. It's just ridiculous how he's actually admitted for that squad. Arteta is probably put his neck in line by doing that. I don't think so. I think the way Ozil's career at Arsenal is kind of coming to an end is just tarnishing the legacy. But in reality, when he was there, he was one of the best creative midfielders in world football. You know, we, we talk about De Bruyne coming close to Henri's record. I think I think Ozil made it to 19. And you think about the Arsenal team he was at in the time, he had nowhere near the same kind of quality that you know De Bruyne and Henri had. But I think the way his career is kind of coming to an end, it's almost given off this impression of, oh, Maisie was just finished, you know, he's past it, he's, he's not very good. But I, th- I think there is still a player in there. And it's all, it's almost it's almost ironic that he's the one player being left out and it's arguably the player Arsenal need more than anything. You know, when, when it comes to January or, or the summer and it's, you know, Arsenal need to sign a, a, an attacking midfielder when, when they've got one of the best we've seen in the last decade sitting sitting at home on 350 grand a week or whatever. Just mm-hmm. so baffles me. Really start the campaign now. Hashtag free Ozil. Frozel. Yeah, I'm all for that, by the way. Frozel. I'm done by that one. <laughs> that were too quick, Stuart, a bit. Goodness me. Well, Frozel, there you go. Uh, for me, I, d- I don't know, I, f- I feel like Wolves might come into this one just like quite hungry because they have got a very tough run coming up over Christmas. They've still to play Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs and Man United all before 2021 comes around. So I feel like they're going to be trying to get as many points as they can before they hit that really bad run which starts with Liverpool next week. So I don't know, I can see them maybe being a bit hungrier in this one and I'm not really sure how Arsenal are going to kind of come into it in terms of it's a team that just does kind of like to sit firm. So I I I think I'm gonna echo Struan again. I think I'll go one one for this one. <laughs> what you're not you're not fussed with that, Jamie? Turning into me, all my all these one ones. I've not made any of them. I know it's it's rare. Well, we've we've still got the wild card options to go, so we don't know what you're thinking. Yeah, I suppose. Be I suppose. Speaking of those wild card options, we're gonna get onto them just now. This is where we take a look at three of the lesser games from this game week, but we still feel like there's a room for them to be talked about on the show in a lesser capacity. Stuart, I want to start with uh, the first game, and there's a reason I'm coming to you for this game, because it's involving your team. It's Southampton versus Manchester United, Saturday at 2pm, also known as the Carl Anka Derby, because it's our, 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 mates, our mate Carl's 
former team that he reported on versus his current team that he's reporting on. And realising that we're probably going to tag him in this, just quick round of applause for Karl Anka, making our football's blacklist in the media category. Very well done, very well deserved. Um, <laughs> we're looking for work after uni, just, there we go. Uh, <laughs> Stuart, how, how do you feel as a United fan coming into this one? Uh, Southampton, again, we talk about them, we've been high on Southampton, especially Graham and I, since they started this season. And they're really, they're really on top of their game just now. So how, how do you feel as a United fan coming into this one going down to St Mary's on Saturday? It's a bit of a weird one because at the moment United have won their last three games in a row, which is pretty seldom under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's reign. So this is this is the type of game to 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 lose almost if that if that makes sense. It does. Uh, two two draws between the two teams last season. The last minute Obafemi winner was probably the most memorable thing about that. But I think Southampton are the most underrated team in the Premier League. I really do. You know, since since post lockdown, I think other than I think it was Liverpool. They've had the best form. Actually, it might not even it might not even be that. You know, since since as we always talk about the nine 0 to Leicester, they they basically really? just turned out. They lost nine 0 to Leicester. Wow. <laughs> nine goals. Can you believe? Wow. Can you believe that? But um, I think they've been fantastic. I think there's so many good players in their team. You know, the likes of Ward Prowse, likes of Danny Ings, Bednarek, McCarthy's coming a really good form this season. You know, Walker Peters, Stuart Armstrong. I could I could go on, but. They, they just look like such a complete team. And I think the, one of the men who you know needs the most praise is Raf Hasenhul, who Raph I'd probably say is one of the best managers in the Premier League, but doesn't get any any kind of recognition for it. I think Southampton are a really good team. They're entertaining to watch as well. And like that that might not be a big thing, but I, I spoke earlier on about, you know, Wolves, you know, they do play like they're good. They get the results that they need, but it's, it's a bit painful on the eye. But I, I think Southampton, they get the results they need, but it's good to watch and it's almost like the high line it failed miserably against Tottenham but they've improved since then they've done better they haven't even been able to play summer signing Mohamed Salisu which I think does show as well how how good that defence has been mm-hmm. and, and and they are one of these teams who over the recent years you know any time a player becomes good from Southampton they're off you know Luke Shaw went to United Van Dyke famously Liverpool Lalana Liverpool I could name a few more Liverpool ones you know um, did I say Wanyama there sorry no you said Lalana Lalana, sorry, Wanyama went to Tottenham. <laughs> went there. Um, so I think I think Southampton are a really good team, and I and I really hope they do well this season. I don't even think Europe would be out of the question for them, a Europa League especially. What I mean, it's a big call. It's, it's something I think over the last couple of seasons they definitely deserved as a European journey and a European uh, spot in the European uh, spots. Tripping over my own words there, as per usual. I I don't know. I feel I feel like it's still kind of. It could go either way for me. This one, I don't know. Uh, I, th- I think it will be a very even game. Both teams are, are are on form, I guess, and both teams could use the win. But I think it's a very difficult one. I've I've gone for a two all because they've had quite a few draws recently. I think it'll be a pretty entertaining game. Two all. I like that. I do like that shout. Uh, right, we'll move on to the next one. Uh, Jamie, let's talk about West Ham and Aston Villa because I, I I know it's just something you're dying to talk about. Uh, the last game of this uh, fixture list on Monday at 8pm. It's both teams coming in decent form. And to be honest, for, for me looking at it, it's either going to be a really good game or it's going to be rubbish and there's no middle ground. Is, is that in your estimation or do you think it's going to be a bit more complex than what I'm suggesting? No, you're probably about right. Um, you know, Both these teams have certainly scored plenty of goals and, and conceded plenty of goals. So... Um... Yeah, I think if you look at look at that on the basis of that, there should be a few goals in this one as well. So I think it's worthy of a mention. 
Mikel Antonio, I believe, is still out for West Ham. Um, so whether Sebastian Haller obviously got the winner against Sheffield United last weekend, um, a big goal for, for the striker and something that I successfully predicted would happen. Long overdue, might I add. Um, I, I think I will back him to continue his rich vein of goal-scoring form and, uh, and notch another one, but I'm not quite sure whether uh, West Ham will have enough to get past Aston Villa, who I think definitely have um, have attacking uh, attacking qualities as well. Obviously, Ross Barkley is injured. Um, he went off after just a couple of minutes in uh, Villa's game last weekend against Brighton. So I think he'll be a big miss for them going forward, especially away from home. I think Villa can try and try and play on the counter. Really, I think they'd probably be quite happy to let West Ham have a lot of the ball and then try and break with guys like Barkley, Grealish, Trezeguet, Watkins, whoever's out wide. Um, El Ghazi, I don't know if he'll get a nod or, or Trezeguet, but uh, Barkley's obviously not going to be there, so I think that's a big loss for them. But I, I still think they'll probably manage to get something in the game, so I'll, I've will i made you wait for it, but I'll go with my uh, my favoured one-all prediction yeah, for this one, with well, Sebastian Haller. Welcome back to the show, Dave McIntosh. It's good to have <laughs> Even get the drum rolling. Ivory Coast's finest striker. Oh, of course, yeah. Right <laughs> I keep forgetting. <laughs> Did, did you know that Willie Bolly as well, the Wolves centre-half, has also uh, declared for Ivory Coast? Yeah, has nope. he not already? No, no, he was representing France on a fish that down as French and the Premier League app has changed now. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. The, more, the more you know, Trips. There, there we are. Stuart Garvey giving us a nationality lesson here. Uh, Taylor, moving on, you're going to talk about the last game of the week. And you're a Rangers fan. You consider yourself a staunch man, and that's why I'm asking you about the proper Brexit game of this week. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> West Brom versus Sheffield going. United, boys. <laughs> so, uh, look, oh. just looking at that game, it just, oh, there's nothing attractive about it whatsoever, is there? Are you trying to tell me 90 minutes of just long ball United, in fact, compact defences, and only two shots in the entire game isn't entertaining? <laughs> yes. There's going to be some big meaty tackles and then you try to tell me you don't want to be seeing that. Okay, that's a fair point. That is. Sounds like an absolute <laughs> woeful game. But I know why you've came to me to speak about this. You want this to sound entertaining. You want me to liven this up a bit. Sorry, folks. It ain't happening. It's, it's just, not happening. It's, gu- it's, gu- it's guff, mate. It's guff. That's the only way I can put it. Alistair like, Guff. <laughs> it's Alistair Guff. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh... He's like that one. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> I, I think Taylor's finished off there. Oh, needs to take a second to compose uh, himself. Uh, yeah, right. you're, all, you're all good, you're all good, you're all good, don't worry. Aye, so West Brom and Sheffield United are, it's going to be a, uh, definitely not going to be a lively game. Like, when you've got straight forces such as Ollie and Burnley on one side and I don't even know who, but who is it? You don't even Robson know who plays Canna? up for West Brom. <laughs> yeah, is it Robson Canna still? Is that still a yeah. thing? Carlin that's his actual bad. Potentially, Mateus oh, Pereira. It's, in fact, I'm not going to lie, when, I, when I've been watching or he, even watching some highlights of West Brom this season, which has been very rare, I mean, on the one occasion, I think that was the free each game against Chelsea. Um, I'm pretty sure it's only Pereira that runs that team and then there's just like 11 other folk that are just running about them. I, I couldn't tell you who. Genuinely, like, at uh, Pereira, that Matthias Pereira is too technical for West Brom. I'm sorry, West Brom, but yes, 
he he's not gonna get you at this hole. Robson can can't even Cruyff turning his way at this for you, I'm sorry. It's it's brutal. It's a brutal game and this is finishing it's getting postponed for that brutal. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the ref just stops after yeah, no. this is too bad, I'm done. The fact is the Premier League actual considered asking you to pay for this. Like just think about that. Oh, well, they had Burnley. West, West Brom Burnley was uh, was a box office game, if I remember right. Oh, yes. Before, I think uh, that was the first goal. Obviously... Yeah, I think you're right, actually. First goalless game of the season as well. Couldn't write it. In fact, I lie by it. West Brom actually do have a talented, two talented players. I forgot they've, they've got that Dean Ganner. Dean Yes. Uh, honestly. Oh, I you might have a total of six completed passes in this game, by the way, so watch out for that if you're watching this. But apart from that, it's going to be a lively, nonsensical, boring, rubbish, no-no. That's what I'm going for, I'm sorry. That's it. Yeah. You've you've wandered about to get to your point, but you've made it there in the end, so congratulations. I tried to make it lively, it's just not happening. Right, there we go. Well, he's, he's rambled on about a fixture that's not worth rambling on about, so fair play for that, because, look, the bottom line is this game will be terrible. And oh, yeah. Fill, fill five minutes there and tell you why it's going to be terrible, so fair play <laughs> to him for that. Can I say Put one simply, thing to make West Brom some... Oh, oh, go on. I was just going to, to put it, frankly, uh, very simply, regarding West Brom anyway. The, since that Chelsea game where they drew three all, they have scored one goal in their uh, following six fixtures, and it was uh, it was against Brighton. I don't know about Sheffield United. I've not actually looked up their recent form, but the, the West Brom game, uh, no, they've been one, well. one goal in last six. So it doesn't really, doesn't really jump off the page as being a classic for me. Yeah, Sheffield United have lost the last four games and uh, only got one point in the last five, so... Scored a few yeah. goals though. I think. Yeah, yeah, they have. The McGoldrick one. Uh, could be yeah, because they didn't score against. Yeah. They didn't score against. Uh, who did they play last week? Well, uh, West Ham. Yeah, yeah. It's strange that like their only goals this season have come against Arsenal and Chelsea, <laughs> two of the better teams in the league. <laughs> but yeah, the, the thing I was going to say on West Brom is I did I did watch West Brom for ninety minutes last last week against United. And to, to actually give them praise, I thought they were very, very good defensively. I think Billich should set him up quite well. In the sense, I think having somebody like Ivanovic come in, obviously doesn't have the legs that he used to, but I think that presence and experience in, in a back three stroke five, I, I think was very useful for them. But any time you know, they were they were attempting to hit United on the counter-attack, they, they just didn't do anything. They were absolutely atrocious going forward. So I think it could just be one of them seasons where they only score about 15 goals in total and they all come from very random situations. I know we're probably rambling on a bit about this. More, well more than <laughs> we should have, by the way. More time. Yeah, well more time we should have. But all I'm saying is, Sheffield United, congratulations. You're probably going to beat Derby's lowest points, Tally. Which is a shame. Yeah, I know. But, you know, at least they've got out of style. Just shows how important Dean uh, Henderson was to that team. Yeah, you you always talk about like you know is a goalkeeper really making a difference? But he he's the only real change that they've had, other than I think they probably miss the fans more than anyone. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. it's it's the classic. It's like strikers can win you games, but uh, goalkeepers win your leagues. I think Kevin Carroll said that and keeping the ball on the ground on Monday. What's that? Um, what's that saying? It's like a goalkeeper will save you twelve points a season or something like that, or win you twelve points a season themselves. Like a top keeper will do that. I hundred percent. And no disrespect to Ramsey, but I'm, I really don't rate him as a goalkeeper. 
I mean, he was. I know we got the no, neither. defence of last season. So I mean, yeah, he got their player of the year as well, which I just. I don't mean to be nasty, but I. Yeah, I just don't think he's very good. <laughs> no, I don't like criticizing. the poor boy. I don't like criticizing players too much, but it is maybe one of them where the previous occupant of the position was so good that anyone else is going to look quite bad. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, I'll give you that. Again. So I think it's maybe a bit of that, maybe a bit of you know what was it, twenty million to buy him, buy him back. Not uh, could, it could never be my club. <laughs> No, just eighty nine million for your club. Yeah, just eighty nine. Let's move on to our locked in eleven. This is where we look at the players from fixtures that we've talked about, the fixtures that we've not discussed, and try and pick the best possible players to get you max points this weekend. Uh, goalkeeper and defence. We start first. We start with first because they all get clean sheet points. Uh, I'm saying City this week, boys. City at home to Burnley. I'm saying clean sheet for them, surely. So if you've got Ederson, mm-hmm. keep them. I'm. Tossing and turning, Taylor will tell you. I was speaking to him last night because I've got two or three transfers to make this week. And Zaha's mm. out with COVID, so I think he's out my team. And then I think I'm going to get rid of Tyreek Mitchell as well because he'll not play. And I want to put a city defender in, but I can't decide on which one. And I've Kyle. told you, do not put Cancelo in. He's not going to play. That, it's got to be Kyle like, Walker. This, this is the point, boys. Like, let, listen, listen to what I've said. So in the last three or four games, ever since Laporte came back, Pep Guardiola has done the unthinkable and kept a back four consistent in the league. And that's been Cancelo on the left, Ruben Diaz, Laporte and Kyle Walker as right back. Mm. I mean, what, what, million. What, 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 what would lead me to believe that it's going to be any different this week? Cancelo played 90 minutes during the week. Mendy got subbed off after seventy-second minute, so which means he's probably got to rest him for the weekend. And and. Kyle Walker was rested and so was De Bruyne for this game running up so Kyle Walker's got to start Kinsella's going to be on the bench I've tried to tell you Kinsella's not going to play I think Kyle Walker will start I don't know about Kinsella necessarily I do think Kyle Walker will play he's played quite a lot this season has he not? I and I've been very impressed with him actually to be fair oh, he's been know, really one-on-one, good. one-on-one defensive situations I'm not sure there's too many uh, too many fullbacks better just for sheer pace I know he gave that Dodgy penalty away, I think against uh, Liverpool. against Liverpool, I think wasn't it? Um, but uh, I just think for his sheer pace, he's a he's a very good defender to have in your uh, in your team in real life. That is not in fantasy because pace doesn't really bring you many points. <laughs> I think got pace points in fantasy. <laughs> the team just be... eighty million pounds. <laughs> I don't know why we've not got a Damager and Dan James in our teams because Dan James doesn't play yet. <laughs> <laughs> that was depressing. <laughs> uh, but any other shouts for uh, keeping clean sheets? I mean, West Brom. Patricio. Yeah, pa- oh, Patricio against Arsenal. Patricio oh. against Arsenal. See, I was going to go with the contrary. I was going to say Gabriel against Wolves. Yeah. See, be fair. Yeah. I don't going to work. <laughs> Jane, who, who, no, who, no, for me. No, no, for Jamie. Who are you backing to get a clean, clean, clean sheet points this weekend? I'm in a bit of a horrible situation because my two goalkeepers are Mesley and Hugo Lloris. And yeah, as we'll come on to later, I have an Everton and a Chelsea striker. So I'm kind of uh, kind of cancel yeah. out my own team. So I've I've gone for Lloris over Mesley. But I, it's more because I don't want to have to waste a transfer. You think that's a horrible situation for your goalkeeper? 
I know I spoke about it before, but I'm I'm not going to do it again. But that's not horrible <laughs> when you're in a mass situation. Uh, Taylor, Taylor's some goalkeeper doesn't even play in the league anymore. Yeah, he he, he <laughs> mate, his contract was terminated. He's out. That's the title of that episode. That was the title of that episode. Man. Some goalkeeper gets his contract terminated. Yeah, so wait, I've refused to waste our transfer to getting him out and Darlow in the next coming weeks are playing Chelsea? No, they've actually got a good run. They've just played Chelsea. They've just played Chelsea. They've actually got a good run now, but when they lead up to this game, uh, these weeks, by the way, I was actually like, no, you're keeping my in no matter what. So that is, that's what you call pain for a goalkeeper soon. Not just saying, oh, what one is going to go in? I can't change mine. Fair enough. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a few names if you can pick some out. So Patricio potentially anyone from City realistically if you can absolutely nail on a player that's going to start. I feel like what Walker's a bold shout to come in because he's six point one million. That's the only thing. So if you've got another premium defender, I probably would avoid him just purely based on the fact that you don't want to spend too much money on your defence. Well, another shout is Andy Robertson since they're playing Brighton. I Robbo away to Brighton. Robbo's been the better of the two, and. Oh, money no it. object clearly for Taylor picking all the defensive people uh, I'll give you a couple of Leicester players Leicester home to Fulham I've got Johnny Evans and James Justin in Shout, yeah. uh, in my defence two from the same team I know um, I didn't actually I know I didn't actually notice I brought Johnny Evans in this week as my transfer um, along with Calvert-Lewin I, I think I had two as well because I used the uh, free hit last week um, and it worked so uh, it was alright um, it was alright so my two transfers this week are, uh, are Johnny Evans coming in to partner James Justin in defence uh, and Luke Ayling is my other defender. But much like Struan, I have Calvert-Lewin up front now, so I don't really care much about Ayling as long as he doesn't lose me points. That uh, makes perfect sense. Uh, up into midfield, boys, who, who are we expecting to pull the strings this week? Captain Diogo Jota. Oh, cap- Ooh. Oh, I think hmm. Liverpool will have a very comfortable game against Brighton and I'd be surprised if he doesn't because it's, it's one of them cheating where he's probably going to start somewhere in the front line. However, on fantasy, he's classified as a midfielder. Correct. Yeah. So I think I think it's one of them where I think I'd expect him to get some goals. But, but he's, he he's just been fantastic this season. Is he going to start? Well, he did, back. Well, he didn't start I th- during I think the week, though, did he? Yeah, because he was benched for the, the week. And to be honest, I think he'll probably take the centre role or they'll play all four of them and have like Firmino in midfield. I was going to say Salamani that. and Jot as the striker and then the other two in the wings. I don't think Firmino played during the week either, did he? So they they, they might go uh, might go all four again because they I played Salamani and Origi. I think it'd be a bit unfair not to start Jota given his current form. Definitely. Fair and I've also got Aubameyang and Grealish. What? I'm very tempted to take Aubameyang out because he's bad. He's bad at the moment. <laughs> at, 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 at the moment, the time, yeah, it's not it's not been great for uh, Pierre. Jamie, how about you? What's your midfield looking like? My midfield is Heung-Min Son, Bruno Fernandes, Hakim Ziyech and Matthias Klick. Uh, no changes in midfield this week. Like um, well, no no, um, no transfers anyway. Ross Barkley was in my midfield last week, but uh, uh-huh. he is he is uh, on the bench now, obviously, as, uh, as he's injured. And Matthias Klick has come in to replace him. Again, I, I did say there could be goals in that game. So, uh, hoping that Matthias Klick or Luke Ayling can, uh, can provide an assist or something. You'd love to think so. Uh, Taylor, how about yourself? So, my midfield is the usual. You've got your standard. You've got Son in. And then you've got Grealish because he's a, he's a pointsman. And my man, bro, he guess he's got to be in. But uh, the other two, I've went... And what, I took Wilson out to put Barnes in. Like Harvey Barnes in. Which mm. is, I don't think is much a risk, by the way, is what Norrell one is. But 
I brought in, I was going to call him Fernando. Lol, <laughs> Ferran Torres. I'm going for it. I, I believe the fact that uh, Pep's not going to change about too much with that midfield and he kind of looks to him. So, I know that's playing the brave with Sterling and Mares there, but um, I believe the fact that uh, Ferran Torres will start, so I'm going with the gamble. You're going with the gamble? You're playing it big. To be fair, yeah, if that I... gamble doesn't pay off and I have a good week, I'm writing your tail, boy. Yeah, but uh, Cal Wilson's my, my first sub if he doesn't come on, but I know he will come on like five minutes to go, so yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've got I've got in his head. Uh, I, I've got my midfield just now because there's going to be a player coming in midfield regardless uh, because I'm going to get rid of Zaha because he has COVID. Uh, I've got Grealish, Harvey Barnes, Son and James Rodriguez at home to Leeds. I'm te- tempted to move away from my city defender and put in Jota myself, I have to say, because I, I really do like the look of Jota and I think he's only going to be getting better from here on in. Um, it just I, I, feel, I feel like I'm going to have to have a conversation with people off the podcast because I think my own fantasy transfer woes could be its own podcast in itself but yeah, no, I could see Jota potentially bringing in Easy as a straight swap for uh, Zaha at home to Newcastle I think he's been that was an easy decision he's been uh, get out of this call <laughs> he's been <laughs> Palace's best player really since Zaha went out so I could see him potentially really pick it, picking up the slack, especially at home to Newcastle to, uh, tonight, in fact. Uh, finally, strikers, who's getting goals this weekend, lads? Captain Jamie Vardy. Captain Jamie Vardy. Very, very safe shout from you, Mr McIntosh. I think my front three actually is, is pretty good this week, actually. Three, uh, three strikers, or oh, obviously three strikers, three, uh, <laughs> three strikers playing at home is what I meant to say there. So Jamie Vardy's got the armband. Uh, Carver Lewin has been brought in, and Timo Werner keeps his place. So uh, a, a pretty deadly front three, actually, I would say. And I would have a little wager on all three to score this weekend. And we know you are a betting man, so is, is that? I might to, just do that. Might yeah. just do that indeed. Stu and have it yourself. Who's getting a goal for you this weekend? I, I've also got Calvert Lewin and Werner, and my other one is uh, Harold Kane because okay. you know he's is is uh, again it's one of them where I've got Kane and Werner, and it's. It's kind of a horrible game week for me because a lot of players in my team are playing each other. You know, I've I've got Ben Chilwell and Reese James in my defence. I've got Harry Kane up front. I've got Lloris in goal, and I've got Werner up front. It's ah, uh, it's not it's not great for me. But in the long term, you know, Harry Kane has been the best player in the league this season, so I I, I will continue to keep him in. I'm a fan yeah. of that. Taylor, who's getting a goal? Uh DCL, one hundred percent. That's why I've captained him. Was actually really concerned to triple captain him. Then I thought, nah, Kyle Walker's on my team, so you know. We, we we do not use shuffle <laughs> captain when he's anyone near my squad, just in case. And Timo Werner. Timo Werner. I've got Werner, I've got Raul Jimenez still on my team, but he is going to be on his way out sooner rather than later. It's 8.4 mm. million that's just taking up a stupid amount of money when I could have someone like DCL in for a more beneficial, uh, he's more cost effective. And Neil Mope is there. I've, not, I've still not been able to get rid of him, unfortunately. Uh, but he is also on his way. There's a lot of players, there's a lot of parts of my team that I really would like to reshuffle. I think I'm starting to see why you're down the bottom of the league, Jack, I have to say. I had. Fi- I, I just, I don't think I've made correct transfers earlier in the league. And um, I think I used my wild card completely wrong. I so... said, <laughs> so I'm going to pull away from you so you're isolated and Sean's going to catch you. Let's go. That, it's just not going to happen, but just... Well, it is going to happen. Enjoy, enjoy selling yourself that dream. 
Oh, I've sold it already, and I'm my aim is that I'm catching Graham. <laughs> you you sold you sold yourself a dream. I can tell you for a fact you've wasted your money, and that is going to bring an end to this episode of the Fancy Ramble. Thank you very much for listening to this one. Make sure to subscribe to the Ramble wherever you get your podcast to make sure new episodes show up automatically on your feed and follow us over on Twitter at Fancy Ramble. See all of our host predictions for this game each fixtures. Thank you very much to Strain Taylor and Jamie for joining me today. Be sure to check out the Football Roundup on Monday and Energy Extra Time next Thursday before we return on Friday as usual. Until then, my name is Jack Donnelly. This has been the Fancy Ramble by Energy Sport. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time.